and welcome to Walk the Pod, your daily walking show where I take my podcast for a walk because I don't have a dog. You take 10 minutes out of the day to walk in nature and to pay attention to what's directly in front of you. My name is Rachel Wheely, a tiny human and comedian walking a footpath in Wimbledon, southwest London in the UK and trying to figure out how to be. There's a squirrel perched on a twig above me, which looks so cute, I can't even tell you. It's got its paws in front of its mouth. It's nibbling something and it's looking at me as if to say, nothing to see, (laughs) keep walking. Jog on, says this squirrel. Jog on. Welcome to Walk the Pod. Listen, poddies, we're getting towards the end of the series and I, I haven't got into my stride with this one yet. I'm, I feel like I'm only just getting into it. It's too soon for it to end. So we've only got uh, this episode and a couple more episodes left before we have a break for the end of the month before I come back with series 24 in February. Thank you so much for walking with me this series. It's been an absolute delight to have you with me every day on the footpath as I walk up and down in my lunch break, allowing the stress and anxiety of the morning to dissolve into the air and thinking a bit about all kinds of things. At the moment, we're talking a lot about self-esteem, self-respect. We also touched on pace yesterday, and I've got some stuff to bring you on that. But first, a voice note from Leaping Lord Stephen, one of the original Walk the Pod Walking Club members, my dear friend, who I've known for over 20 years, on self-esteem, self-respect and self-worth. Hi, Rach. Uh, some thoughts on self-esteem and self-respect. And, and um, might even throw in self, self-worth. Uh, into the mix as well because I I kind of see them all as very similar and the difference between them is very subtle and I'm not actually sure I could describe it very well Um, although there there was one thing you mentioned towards the end of the podcast around if you have self-respect then you tend to respect other people and that put me in mind of my therapist. You know, if I asked, if I asked her, how would she, how would she define self-respect? I think she would say um, something like something like that. And in that, um, when you when you respect yourself, you're you're kind of more complete. And so, but when and so then you just go out and do your stuff, you know, you go skiing and you do your job and you're not really bothered by other people and you've got this resilience about you. Whereas if you're uh, lacking self-respect, then there's some overcompensation in order to readdress the balance, which is where the disrespect of other people would come from. So I'd, I'd imagine she would say something sort of a bit like that and as our therapists uh, influence how we 
uh, understand the world. That would um, be how I would make make sense of it. Um, but personally, I, I kind of see self-esteem, self-respect, self-worth as almost synonymous, um, or you know, can be used interchangeably. Um, although, if I've completely misunderstood and there's an obvious difference between them all, then do let me know. Uh, so yeah, I thought I'd share those thoughts with you. Thank you, Leaping Lord Stephen. Yes, I agree. I think they are, they're definitely used interchangeably. I was making a distinction between them in order to try to make a point. Uh, the point being that self-esteem can be contingent on how much status or money or love or anything else we have in our lives, whereas self-respect maybe can be independent of that. Maybe we can have self-respect even when we have nothing because self-respect is based on our values, not anything else about ourselves. Um, but I really like what you said there about self-respect being more, being more complete as a person. I absolutely agree with that. I think that... I, I think you're, you're exactly along the right lines. I have more respect for other people when I have self-respect because I am not looking to them for comparison, I'm not looking to them for guidance, and I'm not looking to them to try to work out what to do because I'm not sure. Maybe that's, that's guidance again. Um, so yes, I think having any of these things means that um, having any of these things, self-worth, self-esteem and or self-respect mean that I'm not casting around myself to see what other people are doing. When somebody criticises me, it's not, it's not crushing to me because I'm actually on my own path trying to achieve my own goals. Somebody else being disappointed that I didn't do what they thought I should do doesn't have any kind of like invoking of a recurring sense of shame because I don't have a recurring sense of shame about myself. I believe in myself. I believe that I'm doing my best. I believe that my values are good. I believe that my morals are good. I believe that my goals and objectives in the world are good. And the fact that I didn't keep a little pile of my landlady's post for her is a reflection only of the fact that she didn't ask me to do that. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that I made a mistake. It's that she thought one thing would happen. I thought another thing would happen. The consequences of it not happening the way she wanted were worse for her. And therefore the onus, I would say, is on her to ask me to do something in a particular way. Right? <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, thank you. That was really, really helpful. If anyone else has any thoughts on uh, self-respect, self-esteem, self-worth or anything else, please get in touch. You can go to rach at rachelwheelie.com. Sorry, that's not an email address. That's not a web address. That's an email address. You can email rach at rachelwheelie.com. You can go to walkthepod.com and you can press the button marked message and leave me 59 seconds of your beautiful voice. 
I think I might have to use that uh, prescription that my doctor drew up for me yesterday for some actual antibiotics because I seem to still be quite bunged up. Uh, but the inhaler is helping and uh, I am doing my best to maintain a fit for podcasting uh, kind of thing. Oh, I've run out of words now. Poddies. It's, um, it's, it's really lovely to get your feedback on things that I ramble chat about on my lunchtime walks. It's so nice. really helps me to understand the world, so I really appreciate it. I have now... Uh, I don't have a voice note from Nigel. Nigel usually leaves me voice notes very kindly, but yesterday the voice note thing wasn't working. So instead, he typed the following into the Discord server, which I'm going to bring you. I'm going to read it to you, as he was unable to record it yesterday. But it's really interesting. This is about pace, because yesterday I was talking about the uh, various uh, expeditions to the South Pole, which ones were successful which ones were unsuccessful. And I was talking about how the successful mission took the view that they needed to cover 15 miles a day, irrespective of whether the weather was good or bad. And doing so meant that they actually took longer to get to the South Pole than a a group of people who said, hey, look, it's just over there. We can push through and do 20 miles today. No, they did 15 miles that day as well because that was the plan that was what they were doing and that made their journey sustainable here's Nigel on that topic when I was quite young I used to do lots of hill walking with scouts etc and was generally the case that we would charge up hills and all manner of routes uh, for example Bucks Hills Wales Lake District etc are the vigour of youth But then during uni, I went to the Swiss Alps to do a mountaineering course with some experienced mountain leaders. We learned about the Alpine plod. Basically because of the altitude, even only in the Alps, let alone somewhere like Nepal, you are easily short of breath. So if you charge up, you'll keep needing to stop to get your breath back. And in deep snow, it's too exhausting to travel quickly. So there is a known slow Alpine plod where you deliberately take a slow, steady pace, basically meaning you don't need to stop for breaks very much at all. This is important also to finish your walk promptly, to not end up still walking later in the day when it gets dark, or when a storm comes in, or when the snow melts too much and becomes dangerous. Thank you so much, Nigel, for that. It's really, really interesting to hear that the Alpine plod has become a thing that is taught to mountaineers uh, all over the all over the world so the important thing I think then is to work out how much plodding one can reasonably do in an hour in order to work out how far to travel every day based on the distance being traveled altogether it's really interesting I'm really really I'm loving this exploration of pace it's really fascinating to me particularly as somebody trying to do a day job where the pace is wildly variable. It's, uh, it's interesting to see whether it can be transferred across to a sort of nine to five desk job, <laughs> this mentality. But I'm certainly using it in my podcasting as described yesterday. I've just uh, reached the place where the cats live on the footpath and one of the cats is having a little sit on the top of a bike shed. Now the kids talk about this position that this cat is in as a loaf, 
Um, they, they say that their cat is being aloof and this cat is being aloof. Basically it means that they've got their legs tucked underneath them so they look a lot like a loaf of bread. I shall take a picture to put on my lens which is like uh, stories for Instagram, but it's not on Instagram, it's on Patreon, where the Walk the Pod Walking Club is based. Thank you for walking with me. Uh, It's been an absolute delight. This has been episode 13, series 23, Walk the Pod. I'll be back with episode 14 tomorrow. Please take care of your beautiful mind. Mm